0: Welcome back Chelsea fans to another episode of the blues on parade podcast where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else pretty late into the season Hassan.
1: two more matches to go plus uh cup final it's coming down the stretch
0: we're almost there man we're almost there um apologies just right off the bat we did not record after the wolves match as we promised our lovely listeners um too depressed too depressed (laughs) i was gonna say technical difficulties that's just usually just the shoe-in for excuses whenever you don't record a pod I was having,
1: yeah, emotional technical difficulties
0: being able <laughs> to talk after that
1: that meltdown.
0: And obviously we're in a good mood now because we beat a relegation side that was down to 10 men, right? <laughs> That's This is the bounce back game, Zach. Totally um, forgot
1: about that Wolves collapse.
0: Feel bad for Jesse Marsh, but I feel great for the Leeds fans because they deserve to go down. <laughs> Pathetic little bunch.
1: Yeah, um... Not, not the the most uh, sportsmanship display from them today. I'll say that much. Uh, yeah, I, as you mentioned, we'll, we'll start off just... I think we should just quickly run through this Wolves match. Just because I don't know if I can take it. Uh, starting 11 to remind everyone, because it was, what, like 5 or 10 days ago. <laughs> Mendy and Goal. Uh, back three of Dave, Thiago Silva, and Rudiger, Reece James, Marcus Alonso as the wing backs, RLC and Kovacic uh, as the double pivot. Pulisic played at the ten, and then we had Timo and Romelu <laughs> Lukaku up top. This was uh, expected. We we had seen Kai Havertz fall out of form, and we predicted Lukaku to start. And, man, it, it looked like a change of man. Uh Scored, a, scored, a, scored a brace, put us up 2-0. Uh, in the second half, when did, it, when did his goals second come? Half, yeah. Yeah. Both of his goals came in the second half, I believe. Um, one penalty and then another goal before that. Really
0: nice early ball from Pulisic. Lukaku mm-hmm. gets it first time with his right foot outside the box. If that doesn't scream confidence i don't know what does it's so frustrating because this is what we
1: expected this whole season and for it to come back literally in the last like three matches of the season it's like come on man what, what the hell was this <laughs> uh, we, we got a twitter question from at uh Enward. he said uh lukaku during the pregame show robbie earl said paraphrasing today's the day to send the message if you want to stay and lead this line or to go regarding Lukaku um two goals later what message if any
0: did Lukaku send Zach um it's tough to say that you know he he wants to be here forever because it's only he's only played well for two matches but to his credit um He's showing that he wants to start now. And and for me, that's all that matters at the moment, right? We have a few games left until the end of the season. We need to finish it out strong. We obviously have the cup final coming up. So what this is telling me is that he knows he has a chance to make that starting 11 for the cup final, and he's going to do whatever it takes to make it. Took both of his goals really well. I talked about the second goal already, how he took it first time with his weak foot. But the penalty to some, the, the swagger in his run-up to the penalty. He caught the goalkeeper diving wrong side, popped and just smashed it into the other side of the net. It's perfect. And that's exactly what you want from a penalty taker. You know, we had a lot of criticism for Jorginho with the first penalty he missed. Granted, he's usually very good at the hop skip penalty or whatever you want to call it, but it's just nice to have a striker up there go in there and just smash a pen in. You know, no bullshit. Put power and pace on it. You know, catch the goalkeeper leaning to the wrong side. It was just very, very, very refreshing to see. Um, but but to also kind of add to that, Sam, it wasn't just the goals. He was doing he was doing a little bit better with his hold up play, dropping into the midfield, creating spaces for for the runners. Granted, Timo was awful and probably picked out the wrong pass five or six times in the second half on the left flank. Lukaku probably should have had a hat trick. So. All credit to him. I mean, it was a really good performance all around, and he did exactly what he needed to do to start against Leeds.
1: Yeah, just going back to the penalty thing, I'm a huge, huge advocate for letting the strikers take the penalties. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, just getting them that confidence, seeing the ball in the back of the net, um, being able to visualize that in a game. It's so important and especially a guy like Lukaku, whose confidence has been so down um you know it could also be you know the opposite that if he misses a pen it sends him even further into a spiral down but i mean he, he the way he took that i i liked it i don't want to i don't want to you know parse too much in uh, his ability to make a penalty when he shouldn't you know it's should be the easiest shot in the in the whole, you know, in the whole sport. But um,
0: it's a double benefit, Some, to have a striker take a penalty. I'm gonna double down on what you said because yeah. I agree. You know, if if you have a striker taking penalties, one, I mean, they're already accustomed to smashing the ball in the back of the net. So in terms of that fear factor of stepping up to the spot and taking the pen, they're gonna be relatively on face for the most part, especially a guy like Lukaku. But the other thing is, if you have a striker like Lukaku going into this game who was lacking confidence and needed to see the ball go in the goal, that's another benefit of having your strikers take the penalties too is that oftentimes if they go through these five, six, seven-match goal droughts, Lukaku was what? I think he scored three goals in his last 20 appearances or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's a severe goal drought. Having him take a penalty and seeing the ball actually go into the back of the net justifies how, how well he's playing that day. Yeah. And he was playing well leading up to the penalty. And the fact that he got his goal was just – it was sort of vindication or, or, or it sort of put the proof in the pudding itself that he finally has a statistic to prove how well he played. So, yeah, I mean I, I don't think he goes and gets the second unless he scores that pen. You know, he was yeah. – it, it's just a complete confidence booster for him. And the way he took that second goal, I mean that was a striker at – Optimum performance and optimum confidence. You don't get a more arrogant strike outside the box than a curler with your weak foot first time. (laughs) It's ridiculous.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, As far as the message sent by Lukaku, I'm with you. I don't know where his head's at. I don't know where my head's at. Like, I'm still leaning on the side of if we can get a good offer for him, hell yeah, send him out, please. But we need to... I mean, we're going to replace him with Broja and Kai Havertz. When, mm-hmm. you know... I mean, that's uh
0: That's an aggressive front line. He's still... Brogia's aggressive as fuck.
1: Yeah. He's... Like, Lukaku, at the end of the day, is still a world-class striker. You mm-hmm. know? And... Obviously, I think number like a number one priority for us this offseason uh or this this next uh transfer window is going to be the defense and the midfield uh and just uh a, a little bit of a teaser actually me zach and i i uh, me, me on andreas zach and i we are going to be releasing uh special episodes in the next couple of weeks uh of our uh How how would you describe it? Our our predictions of
0: we are going we are basically going to be acting as the board board, and the coach of Chelsea FC heading into the heading into the next Premier League season. So we're going to give you guys our opinions on what formations we should play, what players we should buy, what players we should let go, what players we should loan, bring back, all that good stuff. Yeah, it's gonna be be... uh, it's gonna be pretty controversial, but. I'm excited really? for it, man. It's like playing FIFA in real life. So, <laughs> except it's not real life. It's still fake. <laughs> it's still fake. But at least I get to, you know, put my put my manager cap on and my club director, technical director cap on, and you know, figure out who I want to shift and move. There, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll tell you this. I spoke with Andres. I spoke with you. I think everybody is gonna be surprised um as to Ooh. some of the names that we might throw out there no that could be possibilities
1: there. no spoilers all right let's yeah let's quickly talk about that meltdown um it's so hard to do it now because the mood has changed since then but in that moment uh it was it was really really bad we we conceded in the 79th and of course the last second uh we we got a we got that corner tried to waste time uh, and then a wolves player hits the ball out idiot the idiot ref said it was a uh, a wolves throw in that that call alone may have decided the, the match i don't know how many more minutes of extra time would have been added but then all of a sudden we get countered and Connor fucking Cody of all people makes a 90 yard run into our box for a wide open header gets the equalizer at the very last second. It was terrible. Um, we got the, the the responses we got on Twitter were really funny. We got (laughs) one from, uh, at black emoji. He said, what is happening? (laughs) Which is exactly how I felt. Uh, It feels weird to answer that now yeah. Um, because it felt like all doom and gloom at the moment now. It feels a little bit better. I'm a little bit more comfortable with our position in the table, Um, but I'll read you Ron's question, Uh, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, aka Bone Daddy Supreme. He said, Aspie, Rudy, and possibly J5 and or Conte leaving us. They are our leaders at the moment. Does this have anything to do with our play or attitude lately?
0: Um, well, look, with Rudy, there's no signs of him taking his mind off Chelsea Football Club uh on the pitch at least. You know, he's he's played really committed. Same thing with Jorginho and Conte. You know, it's the the aspie things where I get kind of caught up because I think we could all agree in saying that in the nicest way possible as he's starting to look a little bit cooked. He, he he's a little he's a little well done right now, so. Yeah, he's done. Um, yeah. So, you know, with all due respect to him obviously cuz he's been such an awesome servant, it just seems like his performances are starting to slip and it's not only, you know, his his physical ability that's gone away because he's never been the quickest or the strongest or the biggest, but he's having these mental lapses and 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 he's leaving gaps open and making individual errors giving the ball to the other team and it's a little concerning with him but look i i don't think that's to blame you know to blame to go and blame one player is is ridiculous it's the whole entire squad's mentality suck you know the in a in the 96th minute i don't care if you're playing center forward if you see the other team countering you sprint your ass all the way back and get men behind the ball. And we just didn't do that. Wolves easily shifted it from one side of the pitch, got their switch to the other side, and their player had all the time, I forget who it was, but he had all the time in the world to pick out the pass. So it wasn't a surprise to me that, you know, they eventually scored. After the ball got switched out wide and the opportunity for the open cross came, I kind of knew that they were going to score.
1: Yeah, because you know who uh, Tuchel put in, right? Mm-hmm. At left back, our our favorite, um, Malong Sar. <laughs> that, was, that was the sub he made. We we needed to reinforce the defense, and he brought on Malong Um That was frustrating as hell.
0: Yeah, but again, I don't think it was Malong because the initial counter came down the right-hand side, and then they just found space on the left. I think Malongstar got caught in no man's land because the midfield wasn't there. (laughs) It was basically Thiago Silva and Rudiger running here, there, and everywhere trying to, you know, chase their man down and Aspie, to be fair to him, but with no success whatsoever.
1: Yeah, and, you know, about the the attitude part with Ron, I've been looking at, at my phone trying to find this, the article, because I saw a headline about Tuchel canceling They're supposed to have a day off yesterday, and Tuchel um, brought everyone in for a meeting to discuss like the current state of the club. Did you you see that? I did not. Okay, I'll, I'll look more for it, but I don't remember exactly what I was talking about because, and I want to think that this meeting, whatever happened, put confidence back into the players and that's why they played so well today um but i think that's a good transition to talk about this Leeds match um three nil win um going through the starting lineup let me just pull this up really quickly um of course we had mendy and goal um back three of trevo chalaba the return of trevo uh andreas christensen and antonio rudiger um, Jorginho and Kovacic as a double pivot. Reese James on the right. Marcos Alonso on the left. And uh, played a front three, it looked like, um, with Mason Mount, Christian Pulisic, and Lukaku up top. Um, did you did you notice whether we played a, a 3-4-1-2 or a 3-4-2-1? Um, like, basically, did we have two strikers and a cam, or did you think we had one striker and two like and then like the left left uh, forward and a right
0: forward i think it was i think it was the latter it, it definitely looked like mount and pulisic sort of had a free roll right underneath lukaku like where um, were you, like what we played originally exactly season. yeah I, I think Tuchel referred to it as the floating tens so they don't necessarily mm-hmm. have like a, a dead set position but they're pretty much free to play anywhere it definitely wasn't a two striker formation
1: yeah, Mason Mount really flourished in that role. He was, uh, we we put out a man of the match poll on Twitter, and Mason Mount won. Uh, going through his stats real quick: three dribbles completed, eighty nine percent pass completion, two key passes, six out of ten duels won, uh, three tackles, a goal, and an assist. Um, and Mount officially gets his quote double double with eleven goals. And ten assists in the league so far. Um, he's also the first player on Chelsea to have twenty-plus goal uh, contributions in the league since uh, none other than Eden Hazard. Mm. Um, Zach, what would you think of his performance
0: today? He was fucking awesome. He was he was amazing. How about that first goal? He took that thing so well. It, for 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 someone, not only the technique and the finish. Because there was still a lot to do with it when the ball got to him. Um, but the fact that he did it so early in the match was impressive too. Because usually, especially with attacking players, sometimes it takes them the first 15 or 20 minutes to get into the rhythm. Get a couple touches on the ball because they really don't see much of the ball in the beginning of the match. Um, but for Mount to come in, it was a great layoff. I think it was reset laid it off to him. Um, the finish was spectacular. I don't think any goalkeeper in the, on the planet stopping that. but. It just goes to show again, if we if we have that sort of ruthlessness in matches where we can get the first goal early on, and actually get something out of the early pressure that we put on teams, it'll just completely change, you know, the whole landscape of the match. You know, Dan James doesn't go flying into that challenge on Kova if we're not if we're not already in the lead. You know, they, they don't they don't they don't lose the plot. You know, after the first goal went in, they pretty much seemed. I don't want to say defeated, but their heads definitely dropped. And the, you know, they started losing their markers, the game was opening up, leads started being riskier and riskier, and the fouls became frustration fouls, and they decided to stop playing football and start, you know, wrestling WWE. It was um it was just kind of all over the place. But going back to the front three psalm you know, it wasn't just Mount that played well. I think what attributed the Mount's performance was also how well Polisic and Lukaku played. Lukaku's dropped deep, did everything his striker needed to do in this game. We'll get to him in a little bit, but flipping to the other side with Pulisic, he looked confident as well. He was taking people on 1v1, getting fouled, you know, winning us set-piece opportunities, having a couple pops at goal. There was even a few occasions where Lukaku could have laid it off back to Pulisic, you know, and he could have been in on goal. But of course, you want your strikers taking those chances, so you're not really going to be mad at that. But, you know, I don't think Mason Mount... Puts up the performance he does if Lukaku and Pulisic don't come to play. You know he he's shown that he can't necessarily do it on his own, um, which is not a knock on him. It's just reality. So he needs that sort of support up top, and he got that today. Ruthless finishing from Lukaku, ruthless finishing from Pulisic. It was uh it was just a really really good all around performance from him.
1: Um, jumping back to the Tukul thing that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So this is what happened. Um, they were supposed to have the day off on Sunday. Um, and they he canceled the day off and told everyone to come in. I'll, uh, I'll uh, read you his quotes from before the match. Uh, he said, yeah, we came in. We planned a free day. But after the disappointment, it was not even to punish them. It was normally a free day. And maybe some felt it was a punishment. It wasn't. It was not meant. It was not the moment for a free day. It is better to be together and talk about it than to go and everybody has his own opinion, own truth. You have more risk to be in fragments than to be here. We did very light training, how to run together and discuss things, how to approach the next days. We brought everyone together to have the chance to be together. Uh, a lot of players supported the under 23s on the other pitch, which was very nice. That's what we are. We're a very supportive, open-minded group of players. That's what it felt like on Sunday. That's what the Sunday morning was for—not to punish them, or do a video session, or show mistakes. Um, it was just to be together and not in different groups away from each other on a free day. That's that's awesome. That a hundred percent contributed, and and I think Tuchel realized that it was it was a moment of possible of, of, of possible uh collapse mm-hmm. we are on the brink of collapse right before an fa cup final and Tuchel did the right thing brought everyone together um and really brought their morale up i love the whole you know it was really cute how the, i saw this other quote that like two-thirds of the team stayed uh together to watch the u23s play um that's mm. really cute i love that um
0: So that's how it should be, honestly. I mean, because, because realistically those U23s, you know, they have a chance to make the first team, you know, if they put together the right performances. So having Tuchel there, having, you know, any first team player there is going to kind of give a motivation to, to pull out a, to pull out a good performance. And it's also a chance to impress the manager, you know, it's just a morale boost for the whole club all the way throughout. But I agree with you, Sam. I think it's even more important that Tuchel, Analyzed, looked at the team and said, it's more important that we bond. Even if we just sit here and talk about our feelings, it's better than going home and, you know, just feeling sorry for ourselves, which it kind of feels like they've been doing that the last couple of matches leading up to this. So it was good that Tuko identified that and, you know, really hit the nail on the head in terms of making the right call there. Man, and I'm sure a- players were pissed off about it players yeah. are always going to be pissed off when they have to come in on a day off and that day Especially off gets on Sunday. Yeah. Second. Yeah. But you know, I I think they saw the bigger picture and you said something interesting uh, from his quote. He says, it's more risky to be in fragments than mm-hmm. it is to be here. So mm-hmm. that's, that's poetic as fuck, but it also holds a lot of weight. And, and he's right. You know, if, if we drop points against Leeds you could bet your bottom dollar we're losing the cup final and oh, we're yeah. losing out the rest of the league season. There's we're no probably way we're
1: missing top four. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, finishing the
1: season off, even with all of the ups and downs and downs and downs, and did I mention downs? If we finish the season top four with technically three trophies, so technically the treble, That's a that's a complete... Uh, success for the season and you know it, it could have been a, it, it could have ended as a disaster. It, he, it was good for him to identify that. Um, man, what I would give to be a fly on the wall uh, in that room during that meeting. Um, just to hear what was discussed, I'm sure that you know peop- the players were very open about their frustrations. Uh, Lukaku had to have been you know a big point of discussion as well. I know that there were rumors about uh, Marcus Alonso and Tuchel getting into it at a halftime uh, in the Everton match. So that was probably discussed. Oh, man, that would have been so juicy.
0: Um, it would have. But But also, people overreact. Like, this is pro sports. Every year, we hear about a row that happens on a training pitch. And every year, people overreact to it. If you're a professional athlete doing their job, you should be barking and arguing with your teammates and barking and arguing with your coaches, because that means you give a fuck. So that's actually a good sign. I think when players start to perform like Man United does, that's when you have a real issue, when there's absolutely no tension with the manager and the players just sort of give up. If players are still arguing and there's still a back and forth, that means that there's still some sort of, you know, I give a fuck about the situation in there, right? It doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that the player's just done and you know he's mentally checked out. It, it could mean the opposite, and I think in this case it did. Because if it was a negative argument that they had in a dressing room, then Chelsea wouldn't have come back and put on the performance that we did. Granted, we did play against 10 men in our relegation side, but you look at the performance as a whole, we didn't give Leeds any chances to get into the game whatsoever, which is something we've allowed every other team to do in the last four or five league matches now. So... I don't necessarily think that was a bad thing. I just kind of wanted to speak my piece on that because everybody yeah. loves to overreact whenever they hear the word tension. And tension doesn't isn't always a negative thing. Yeah, I mean, it's shocking
1: that that Man United uh, locker room fell apart like it did with a captain like, uh, like Harry Maguire holding the team together, someone that everyone respects so much, right?
0: <laughs> I still find it hilarious that the most ruthless goal scorer of this footballing generation is has to answer to Harry Maguire. To a literal fridge. <laughs> he, he's, he's arguably, like, you know, one of the greatest players to ever touch a to, – to step foot on a pitch. You're talking and, about Harry Maguire, right? No, I'm talking about <laughs> the CR7, the legend. And the fact that he has to go uh. to the training pitch every day and, you know – let harry Maguire wear that armband and just walk around and tell him what to do is a fucking joke i can just imagine harry Maguire saying hey ronnie you know we're gonna have a team meeting in five and him just being like did somebody talk to me I I like, <laughs> he, def-
1: he for sure disrespects him 100%. <laughs> in public like oh, openly 100%. disrespects him um all right we got to talk about lukaku again uh twice in one episode because uh, he scored it again three goals in two matches um, His stats six shots three dribbles completed uh, one key pass seven duels won two clearances um, But one stat that doesn't show up on paper was was his confidence He was playing with so much motivation so much confidence It was a breath of fresh air. I mean I really don't know what the difference is, Zach. Whether we can attribute this difference in play to the style, um, uh, you know, that that of Tuchel's tactics, of his uh, you know squad selection. Um, but he had one. I mean, the goal was hilarious. He almost didn't score, um, but that took a lot of skill to get out of that, that little conundrum and end up with a goal um he had one beautiful turn where uh, i forgot who passed him the ball he did like a drop step uh, spun around the center back and um mm. he went for he went for goal when he really should have laid it off to Pulisic. but um i love i loved what i saw um well we'll start off with this question from prashanth um I think it's at Prosh CFC, something like that. Um, He said, just tell me I was right about Lukaku.
0: No. (laughs) Prash, we – I mean, you were right about Lukaku, but we also weren't wrong about Lukaku. You know, we never questioned his actual ability. We questioned his commitment and his drive and whether or not he actually wanted to be here and play here. And now we're actually seeing that, you know – Granted we don't know what the what the future holds in terms of next season we do know that he wants to be playing here and now and you know he wants to be selected for the cup final and I'm sure if he plays well again at, uh, at Wembley that he's going to want to finish out the season you know strong as well so what striker doesn't um he did everything to a T today it was the most complete striker performance I've seen um from a striker at Chelsea in A very, very long time. The hold-up play, he was absolutely bullying their center backs. Nobody could could bang with Lukaku. It's impossible. I mean, he is... He kind of reminds me of, like, prime Charles Barkley. You know, backing into the paint, where he's not necessarily... I mean, he is big, but he's not necessarily the tallest dude. Like, there are going to be some center backs that are just as big as him, but he just has his freakish strength. And his balance is just on point when he's on his heels. So... You know, he held up the ball really well, found found some great passes, spit it out wide when he needed to, you know, kept possession when he needed to, ran the channels when he needed to. Every All of his reads were just on point today, Sam. So, and that was something that I noticed from his game. It was just a very, very complete performance all the way around. I really don't have any any criticisms of his match. The one thing that I do want to point out, though, was not actually an attacking uh it wasn't necessarily an attacking thing. It was more of a defensive thing, his his counter-pressing. Yeah. When their center backs had the ball, and he knew that even if he wasn't going to win the ball, if he could force a center back to make a bad pass or force a center back to make a heavy touch, he would pressure them and pressure them hard. And sometimes he won the ball back. And I think, I think it speaks for itself. You mentioned seven duels won. I am willing to bet my bottom dollar that that is – A season high for him in terms of duels that he's won in a single match. Because it seemed like every single time that he got faced with a, you know, a situation where he had to bump a center back off the ball or hold somebody off, he was a shoe-in to go ahead and do it without a problem. So credit to him, man. Look, I know this is Prash's boy. I'm happy he's scoring. And I and I think we've all said this from the beginning, too. If he does this consistently, then whatever he said in the past doesn't matter right it's put your how, how does the phrase go like put your better foot forward or something like that yeah. something along those lines mm-hmm. i don't even know if that's a real phrase i might just yeah. be making shit put up at this point, point. but put your best foot forward and that's what he's doing you know he's proving it he's not only putting together decent performances or 15 20 minute spurts like we saw in the past these are complete 90 minute performances where he's doing absolutely everything to the t and he's mm-hmm. executing the game plan. You don't see Tuchel barking at him. You don't see Jorginho, you know, telling him where to go and asking him why he's not pressing or asking him why he's making a different type of run. The game just seemed to come to Lukaku instead of, you know, Lukaku going out and trying to to twist the game and force it into his will, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, and
1: it's, it's the effort, too. Like you mm-hmm. mentioned the counter-pressing also his effort on set piece on set pieces uh like defending set pieces he got in and and headed away a a couple of chances
0: um i was so so happy to see that um drugba-esque that's something that that's something that having a big man up top really comes to an advantage for you know late in matches if you want to defend you could always stick him on the front post and you know that yeah he's most likely going to get to the ball
1: yeah um but again in my opinion it's it's so unfortunate that it took this long for this to come out
0: yeah agreed
1: um let's talk about kovacic's injury real quick uh, came off in the 30th in the 30th after a really really rough danny james uh, challenge potential leg breaker um, studs up
0: and, uh Danny James it's
1: very very fortunate to not have been worse um, he did come off um, we got another question from Ron he said is the Kova injury worrisome in regards to his availability on Saturday and if he's injured who starts alongside Jorginho <laughs> also how horrible are the Leeds fans Bukovicic and the fan who had to be attended to <laughs> Was do you think was he? Were they booing Kovacic or were they
0: booing the the red card decision? No. So they. Here's what happened. Tackle comes in. Danny James gets the red. Danny James really doesn't protest it too much. You know, he said he got the ball once or twice, but then the ref was like, "I mean, you cleaned him out. I, I had no other choice." He did got get to,
1: ball first. He
0: did get ball. He did get ball first. But card listen, card. It doesn't no. matter. It's it, it's excessive. Right. It's excessive force. And it's a dangerous challenge. Agreed. His leg was straightened and his studs were up. That's a red card every time. I don't care if you get the ball or not. Um, And even by definition, it's a red card. So
1: yeah, But no, anyways,
0: he starts walking off the pitch. And then, you know, Kovacic gets attended to. The fans obviously think that Kovacic is kind of milking the situation. Kovacic gets right. up, goes off the pitch, and starts actually like – I, or actually, no. He goes back on the pitch, gets booed when he comes on, can't finish, goes down again, and as he's walking off the pitch to get subbed out for RLC, he has a go at some of the Leeds fans because I guess the Leeds fans thought he was taking the piss out of the situation. And Kovacic kind of barked back at him. And you know, I missed this whole thing. What the hell? Yeah. Well, well, this is this is as he's walking right past the touchline. Oh uh, yeah. So he's he's basically on the bench. And, uh, you know, the Leeds fans get all riled up and start, you know, giving him some slack. And then there's a medical emergency almost immediately after. And uh, we get caught in another situation where – an unfortunate situation where another fan, you know, has to be tended to. And Was no a medical emergency happens. The fans have been really good about shutting up and being respectful and allowing, you know, the medics and everybody to do their work and, you know, just kind of deal with the situation the best they can and instead the Leeds fans were singing um and i, I it's it just it's fucking disrespectful man it was really it, it was just an egregious sort of display of hostility towards us and granted yeah they're not going to go to the bridge and be treated like royalty either but i mean for fuck's sake if it's a medical emergency or if it's a potential leg-breaking tackle, something that could really either end a person's career or end a person's life, which we saw two of those situations in the span of 10-15 minutes. It's just bullshit that they react that way. I thought it was very – I was almost going to say unprofessional, but they're not even pros. <laughs> <laughs> they're just fans. But it's it, its lunacy, Psalm. It's its its ignorance. It's all of the above. They're, they're trying to get the most out of their
1: last two matches uh, in the Premier League before they get relegated next year.
0: Well, Danny James uh, basically nailed it on for them because Rafinha looked like he tore both hamstrings. Patrick Bamford's out, Jack Harrison's out, and now Danny James won't play the rest of the season. So they're going to have fun uh, leading the line with the center back the next two matches. It's going to be great for them. So they Good can have fun for in the championship. Good news for Burnley. Good news for Everton. Yeah.
1: Um, sucks for leads um, alright let's wrap up the episode oh by the way Tuchel did say he would most likely miss the final um,
0: it's going to be so massive that's unfortunate. I, I do want to say something about that Um, that is the last player that we wanted to get injured going into the final I would have taken an injury to anyone else in our starting 11 besides Kovacic and a couple things to note Um, the ankle that he did get tackled on was the same ankle he was dealing with the last few weeks that you remember it kept him out for a couple matches Mm -hmm. he tweaked his ankle it's the same exact ankle that left one so you know Tuchel did mention that he wasn't that he was most likely going to miss if he does it's such a big miss and I think that just makes N'Golo Conte that much more imperative because Kovacic is that midfielder that has the ability to track back and you know track back on runners and win the ball, and also sort of kickstart a counterattack. And when Conte's at the top of his game, granted he can't progress the ball as well as Kovacic, he's shown an ability to progress the ball somewhat. So I think he's going to be crucial. If he can't come back, Tuchel's going to have a very, very tough day trying to figure out a way to construct the midfield to deal with Liverpool, because you cannot run a pivot of Jorginho and RLC against that midfield three.
1: Yeah, I mean, and they of Conte apparently was close to playing today. So I'm just assuming that he'll be playing, uh, on Saturday. So, um, FA cup final, uh, huge, huge matchup against Liverpool. Um, it's funny because, uh, like a week ago, Liverpool was talking about a possible quadruple this season. Um, they've likely lost out on on the league after drawing uh, to spurs and after man city <laughs> looks unstoppable uh because they're not in champions league play you know they, they've won their last three matches yeah they've won each one by at least four goals
0: <laughs> de Bruyne just scored four on his own today
1: yeah Did he, he got a fourth
0: yeah
1: <laughs> oh my god what a legend um but he uh i mean uh but look back to this match liverpool they are looking like one of the hottest teams in the world right now but for some reason we just play them so well um yeah i, I don't have it in front of me but i know the 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 three times we played them this year two times in the in the league we drew and then of course we played them in the uh carabao cup final which ended up in a penalty kickoff uh kickoff kickoff shootout you american (laughs) i know i don't know why i said kickoff (laughs) penalty kickoff penalty shootout uh which everyone made their penalty except for keppa um so that was like as close of a penalty kickoff as
0: uh he kicked it
1: like a like a football that was that was a kickoff right there yeah um (laughs) <laughs> but um just some injury news for Liverpool. Fabinho confirmed to it was is confirmed to be out with an injury. He came off to uh in their match against Wolves uh was it Wolves midweek? I think so, right? Might not um,
0: even make the Champions League final.
1: Yeah. They played Wolves, right? They're or no, it was Villa. It was Villa. Yeah. Uh, and if you look at the, their lineup, they rested Mosola. they tried to rest Jordan Henderson. He had to come in uh, for Fabinho's injury. They rested Kanate, um, who I, I, I can't even tell you who their best centre-back pairing is. It's probably Van Dijk and Kanate. And um, they sat um, Rabo as well. So clearly with an eye to have everyone fresh for this match. So Liverpool will be fresh. Mm-hmm. Um and, um, you know, it's it's, it's going to be concerning. I'll start off with a question from Prosh. Pick your front three for the final and why you prefer that. Uh, start I'll, just quickly before you give your answer. We did put a poll on Twitter asking if Lukaku should start on Saturday. We received 80 votes. 91% said yes. Zach, do you agree with uh, the majority there?
0: 110 percent um i think the question is going to be what type of front three do we do we try to deploy do we go with lukaku and kai and maybe mason mount playing underneath do we replicate what we did today and just kind of reward the performance that you know mount lukaku and Polisic did together and sort of go with one striker and two floating tens i think that'll be the that'll be the interesting thing if if i'm honestly playing Tuchel um I'm probably putting Mount at the 10 and playing Kai and Lukaku up top you're going to be asking Mount to do a lot of work defensively to sort of stagnate that that midfield that Liverpool has because that's their that's basically their supply line to the wide areas um so if you could prevent that from happening you have a good chance of catching them on the counter maybe winning the ball in the middle third and having a go with Lukaku and Kai, maybe a little bit of combination play and bringing the fullbacks in. Reese James has been in ridiculous form. I know we haven't mentioned him, but holy shit, what a performance against Leeds. I mean, yeah. he, he doesn't even look like a right back. He lo- he looks like an auxiliary winger. Um, So yeah, I think I would go with that kind of front three. I wouldn't necessarily go for the two floating tens. I- I'm going to piss off you know all the American listeners by not starting Pulisic in this game, but... You know, I just think the way we have to play against Liverpool is gonna force us to sort of defend a lot, um, sit deep, soak up the pressure, oh, yeah. and, and hit them on the counter. So having that's two strikers will definitely be big. That's how we've played you against have, them
1: the rest of the, the the rest of the matches this season.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, ideally you'd have Lukaku holding up play, maybe occupying Van Dijk or Matip, and um, you know having Kai just kind of float here, there, and everywhere with him out find the spaces on their own to to sort of hurt them
1: i think i think i agree with you even though kai havertz has not been in his best form he is a a big game player i think and i'm scared about starting lukaku but uh the last two matches have been reassuring uh i think that you're spot on with that um how about the rest of the 11 zach
0: the rest of the 11, I mean, there's Elkova. So you're probably mm-hmm. going to have to go with Jorginho and Conte. Jorgolo. Jorgolo or.
1: You mean, okay, first of all, you have to rule out Jorginho and RLC, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. that say. out completely. So, so it's
0: going to be either Jorginho. Well, no, it has to be Jorginho and Conte or Jorginho and RLC because Conte is going to be, you know, like a, a game time decision, I guess. But assuming Conte's healthy, it's going to be Jorgolo. You'll have Alonso on the left, Reese James on the right, back three. Believe it or not, I I probably wouldn't start Aspi. I would probably start Trevor Chalaba, Thiago Silva, and Rudiger. I think you need an athletic back three, but you also need a back three that's a little bit more comfortable progressing the ball forward in terms of dribbling, you know, Aspe he's, he's decent in terms of, of his passing range, especially yeah. when he plays as a center back, you know, he has that really nice clip diagonal ball, but for some reason, when Trevor and Rudiger are out there, they have that ability to sort of pick their head up. And if there's no pass available, carry the ball 30 or 40 yards in just five or six strides because they're so big and so fast. So, I think that sort of ball progression will be really important. I also think it'll be important to protect Thiago Silva because you can't play two center backs that lack pace against that Liverpool front three. It's just you're it, it's suicide at that point. So you do need that athleticism to protect Thiago Silva. And at this point, Sam, Thiago Silva is way more valuable to our starting eleven than Aspie is. So that's why I'm kind of ruling him out there. Then of course you get Mendy in goal. So yeah, yeah, you got Mendy. Tiago, Rudy, Trevor Chalaba, Jorgolo, wingbacks, Alonzo, Reese James, and then you have Mount at the 10, Kai and Lukaku up top.
1: I mean, I'm surprised you said um, Chalaba, uh, and I'm surprised we didn't mention him uh, in the, in the Leeds recap because that was only his second appearance in the last, I think, 10 or 11 matches. He's, he hasn't even seen the field. Um the only time he played was against West Ham. Um and I thought he played really well. I was always always really confused with you know with Tuchel not playing him. And I really question what his reasoning for that is. I'm with you though. I would play him. And yeah. I think today was reaffirming of that. Uh gave me more confidence in in, in, in saying, yeah, let's play him. Uh I'm. I am on the same side as you as well with Dave. It's unfortunate to say, but I have no faith in him anymore. No, I've not no faith. I have little faith in him.
0: Yeah, uh, it's definitely dwindling. On the other side, how do you think Klopp will set up? Um. I mean, obviously, Allison and Goal, Andy Robertson, Trent Van Dyke. I think they'll go with Matip as opposed to Konate because Matip's been really good so when he's been available but not only that he does have the experience and also the size. I think Klopp will probably foresee, you know, Chelsea playing with at, if not one big striker, two big strikers with Kai in there. So um you're going to want to counter that size with more size. Um midfield that's where it gets interesting because Fabinho's out. I mean, Henderson's going to start as their DM. I don't think I don't think James Milner's starting. You got Henderson, Thiago, Keita, uh, front three, and this is where it gets scary. Mane, Diaz, and Mosala I think they yeah. leave Jota on the bench. I think Luis Diaz is in just ridiculous form. Yeah. And we were talking about it before we recorded. I am. We are just like fucking pissed that luis diaz is coming good at liverpool because he's not just a good player he looks like the bees needs for them so wait until he learns how to speak english <laughs> yeah i mean he's he's only had 12 league appearances seven goal contributions which is pretty ridiculous for somebody that's a newcomer to the league coming from a league that's not one of the big five leagues in europe <laughs> it's coming from the portuguese league so yeah, I think that'll be Liverpool's starting 11. You know, they'll, they'll run the 4-3-3. They're going to spit the ball out wide. You know, Trent's going to be basically acting as a as a right midfielder. Mm-hmm. I think the crucial battle is going to be Trent and Alonso. You know, if Alonso can sort of chase Trent around the pitch and give him and, and, and not give him as much space as he'd want, you know, that'll severely mitigate their attack because, you know, Trent has a ridiculous right foot. Similar
1: to Reese, yeah. But you could also say the same thing the other way around that yeah. Marcus now Alonso they have can. Well, I'm talking about Marcus Alonso on the left side um, against Trent. <laughs> I think they're if, both I... they're both similar in the sense that they're great going forward, not so great uh, on defense
0: yeah they're they're pretty much the same player i mean you, you basically <laughs> well, have no let's not
1: go that far obviously one is a little bit better than the I other but, yeah. Liverpool,
0: Sol, let me have this um mm. no we we have the better version because we have we have a, our right back who can go forward and play defense yeah. oh, and oh, play yeah. midfield and play center back and probably play striker if he really wanted to he could probably play winger could pretty yeah, much put play. him in goal put him in goal yeah you could play anywhere and he looks like he could be a fucking UFC heavyweight champion. I mean, the guy's built too. He's built like a freaking center back. Um, all right, uh, let's kind of nail Zach. our colors to the mast here. Zach,
1: I'm confident going into Saturday. Irrational confidence. How? Confident? I don't know why. I do not know why. Put a number on it.
0: Two one. Chelsea, 2-1. <sighs> one. Two, two, one. I'm going to say 1-1. One, one. We go into penalties. No. We beat, them on, we beat them on pens.
1: Bro, I mean, yeah, that's the more realistic expectation. I mean, it's been a one stalemate. made
0: to be somewhat rash. Hey, look, 2-1, I'll take it. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but I think, I think it, honestly, I would love if it went to penalties and we won on pens i wouldn't like it in the moment because i hate watching pens but afterwards it'll just be it'll just be nice to have that vindication that sort of yeah we got we got you back for the capital one for the capital one for the carabao (laughs) cup um
1: carlton's because the
0: f yeah carling cup no because the fa cup is way more important than you know any fucking carabao cup so this will just this match just holds that much more importance so yeah anyways fuck Liverpool. I'm done talking about them because there's really no point we know exactly what to expect we know that they're going to be pretty pissed off that the Premier League slipped away that's something else that we haven't haven't mentioned um, so I'm expecting them to come out and you know they're going to try and punch us in the mouth early and our job is to make sure that we throw the last punch in that exchange so anyways some, yep I want all of our listeners to follow us on Twitter at BluesOnParadePod. Um, if you aren't already, make sure you check us out. We've been, uh, we've been a little bit more active as of late. We post a questions tweet after every match. So if you want to be um, included in our pod, make sure you're looking out for that tweet, asking us questions, or just tweet us randomly. And if your question uh, fits what we're trying to talk about, or if it's interesting enough, we'll definitely mention it on the pod here. Next time we talk, we'll be uh, FA Cup champs, huh? Trouble, baby. That'll be the treble. That'll be the name of our next pod. It'll be treble, baby. <laughs> okay. Yeah, very creative. Anyways, keep the blue flag flying high, guys.